Hello and welcome to That Film Studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode we've got another movie review and this time we're looking at Batman Hush. We've made it our mission to cover all the DC animated movies, whether it's set in the DC animated universe or a standalone movie or a crossover with the Ninja Turtles. All of them, except for the Lego ones. They're the only ones we don't cover. Batman Hush is the 13th instalment in the DC animated movie universe and the 35th overall in the DC Universe animated original movies line. The movie is out now, but if you haven't watched Batman Hush yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Directed by Justin Copeland, Batman Hush is based on the comic book story arc of the same name by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, with this movie taking place after the events of Reign of the Superman. Luke, you have the plot. Batman faces a new threat named Hush, who knows all of Batman's secrets. Batman and Catwoman set out to discover the identity of the mysterious mastermind who is using the Dark Knight's rogues as pawns to wreak havoc. Do you know what I liked about this? So we've we've covered, you know, as you said, like countless, as many as we could, of these animated movies. We started with Justice League, Throne of Atlantis. Yes, I wasn't on that one. But I think the ones that we've covered, I think maybe we've done maybe one or two Batman movies, and they were the ones, you know, the one about Damian Wayne, and or like it was a time with the Suicide Squad, or wherever Batman's featured, it's always been like with the Justice League or amongst something else, and we've never really gotten... I think we did Bad Blood, so maybe I don't know where I'm going with this. But nothing's really felt like a Batman movie. And this one... We were getting all the Batman. I was like, this feels like Batman. It's Batman villains. There's the Bat family. It felt very Batman. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, in this continuity, as you mentioned Bad Blood, that was a Batwoman movie. Although the name of the movie was Batman Bad Blood. I knew there was something off about that one, yeah. (laughs) But this one, you're right. This is actually a Batman movie. I just feel like we haven't had one for the longest time, and it just felt refreshing to just... Sit down and watch Batman. You know, we credited the writer of the comics in the opening there, Jeff Loeb. Do you know which movie he wrote? Teen Wolf. Bloody hell. And Commando. (laughs) Ah, classic. (laughs) Two awesome movies. Uh, But you've read the... Oh, I know we both have, actually. the, The source material, the Batman Hush run. A long time ago. And I'm really glad that I've got that distance... I was able to watch this movie as a movie and have the story unfold. But I remembered it enough to notice the sizable differences in this adaption. Oh, okay. Because as I'm watching it, because at the at the centre of this story, it's a mystery. And there's certain characters doing certain things. And I'm sat there feeling very smug, thinking, ah, oh, but I know what's going to happen here. Ah, oh, I know what he meant by that. I know exactly what's going to happen. Hush in this movie is not Hush in the comics, which is a huge change, which when that was revealed, I was like, oh, right, this is different. Okay. The comics did it better, but this is doing it differently, but the execution still works, and it's a very good reveal. It's just different to the comics. I I had read this Batman Hush story, like you said, like years ago. Maybe 10 years. I don't know. However long ago it was. And I remember and I remember liking it, but I legitimately 
remember none of it. So watching this, I was like, I don't even know who Hush is. Well, just and I thought I was you... picking it with characters, and I think that's what I was doing when I was reading the comic, but I did not remember. And to give you context, then, for, for me and my reading experience... Is it the same character, though? Like, is it... The identity of Hush is different in this movie. Oh, okay. Reading the comics beyond Hush, the 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 series that movies this movie is adapted from, Hush is an ongoing character. So I've read a lot of comics, a lot of storylines with this character. So for you, you read this one story years ago, and then you'd forgot the identity. Completely <laughs> forgot. Whereas this character has been reoccurring throughout Batman's right. comics since his first appearance in. Hush. Although when it was revealed who it is, something about it felt familiar, and I was like, "Oh, like I, as if I did know it." So that's why I thought, "Oh, yeah, it must have been him." Because and then should I we think just I... stop dancing around it? Like Riddler! we're just a spoiler warning. <laughs> In the movie, Riddler is Hush. Yeah. In the comics, Doctor Tommy Elliot is Hush. See, so as I was watching this movie, like you have that character, and I was thinking. I was like, well, he's, you know, being all... I'm like, surely he's Hush, right? That's, yeah, that's who it is. And then it's not. He gets killed. But when he gets killed, I'm thinking, well, that's clearly just a ploy. Like, Some sort of, okay, it's yeah. It's a trick. Like, he's not really dead. But then you find out that he went to Tommy Elliot, who is a world-renowned or, you know, I'd say world-renowned surgeon, or at least, you know, big in Gotham. He's a doctor. <laughs> the Riddler had a death sentence like he, there was no cure and then he's looking at taking revenge and oh and yeah he look at taking revenge he finds about the connection with Bruce and Riddler he gets resurrected in the Lazarus pits where you've got a Rachel Ghoul connection and then he comes back and he's got the question mark scar and he's all jacked up and in that moment when he's resurrected he gets the clarity Bruce Wayne is Batman and that has always been at the heart of the Hush character. Originally, it was Tommy Elliot, Bruce's childhood friend, and that's how he knew so much about him. But they have changed it here. So the essence of like the the core things of the character and what he does and what he knows and what he yes, seeks out to do is all still there. It's just the identity is switched out. And a big part of the comics, we get Jason Todd return. And in, in the comics years prior, he was murdered by the Joker and it was a big thing about Jason Todd coming back but then you find out it was really Clayface pretending to be oh. Robin I had read something that there was an idea to have Jason Todd be Hush or be revealed to be Hush in this movie but in this I continuity they, they scrapped it because it yeah, didn't tie in with the continuity exactly right he's work. never appeared and we've got Damien back as Robin very briefly here although he does have a good scene when he's like, hey, Dad, are you are you dating a villain? <laughs> along, along those lines. But we do get a Clayface moment, but it's him pretending to be Riddler. Yeah. So I think that's the... They're the comparisons that, that come into mind. Yeah. But again, like, it just felt really familiar, like, the Riddler reveal. I was like... And I think I'd, maybe I just convinced myself that, like, I made fake memories of the... That's what it always was. But I clearly have no idea. But yeah, I think this movie, as I said, it makes good use of... Batman characters, like it's flooded with them. Well, you know, you've already listed probably half of them just there, but or maybe not even half. Like there's heaps of them. We get a new Batman costume. And when I say new, I mean new for this continuity, but not so new. And I mean, I it's it. based on the original Jim Lee design. It's blue, grey. We've got the big yellow belt. 
What I will say for me, it is now my favourite animated on-screen Batman costume. I loved it. As soon as he opened it up, I was like, this is actually so exciting. Like, he literally opens up a thing, like a, I don't know what it is, like a big box. <laughs> There's a new suit, and I'm like, is he going to wear that? That's amazing. One of the criticisms I've had with, and I think you might be the same with this continuity of movies, is that a lot of the costumes, obviously, were they based on the New 52 designs? Yeah. You know, they're not the classic traditional ones that, you know, we're used to, you know, we say the more iconic ones. They're obviously based on that source material. And then recently, Superman got a change, you know, in the events of the death of Superman and all that. When it came back in Reign of the Superman, so close to fixing Superman's costume. It's, the, it's still The a design lot than it was. of the cape is a lot better, and they've put some, like, red around his waist and almost like, like a design for, like, a belt. But just give him the trunks. And what I didn't <laughs> notice in Rain, but I noticed when Superman appears in this, he has the yellow S on his cape. Oh, okay, yeah. And I love that. For me, that is Superman. He's got the red and yellow S on his chest, and he's got the yellow S on his cape. And we get that here. The costumes in this are looking fantastic. I just feel like all they need to do is fix Wonder Woman's costume, and we'll be set. We'll be on, we're on a good track. Like... They're slowly just turning their... Like, we're getting the good costumes. The next DC animated movie is the Wonder Woman standalone one. Oh, they've got to give her a new costume. The box art cover <laughs> is that bad costume you're talking about. But hopefully, it's not bad. It's it just... is bad. It's not good. You're, you're but hopefully, like <laughs> just like they fixed Batman in this movie, it's crazy that they need to take time out in a movie to fix a costume. But I'm, I'm happy for them to do that. When they reveal the new Batman costume, compared to how this movie starts... Night and day. Like, it is such a vast improvement. It is a fantastic and costume. Like, it just makes it. me like this interpretation of Batman better. It makes me like Jason O'Mara's performance better. I don't know. Everything just falls into place when visually Batman just looks like this. But hopefully now, though, moving forward in the shared continuity, whenever Batman appears, this is how he looks. Don't change it again. Don't. Do not change it. <laughs> we're good. Please. Just change one woman and we're set. And just give Superman his trunks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, with Superman, I mean, we are picking up where it left off. Well, the world, where the world left off, I guess, after Reign of Superman. So Which is fantastic. We're getting a few little tie-ins. You know, we see Lex Luthor. Obviously, we do see Superman, as you say. Um, there's, you know, Lex mentions the fact that he's you know, a Justice League member now, which is where we left him. And... Which is interesting. And for a long time in the comics, he was a Justice League member. And he wore his, his battle armor, now blue. He's got an S plate on his chest, like shield, and he has the red cape. That's since changed in the comics now, because comics, they change rapidly. <laughs> but in the in this movie, yeah, he, he is a Justice League member. Before watching it, I didn't look too far into it. Like, I didn't realise that Rain Wilson was coming back as Lex, which is fantastic. Uh, Rebecca Romaine is back as Lois Lane. I love the fact that they're telling a long-form story that began with Justice League War. It's almost like watching a, like, TV, like a TV series, like a number of episodes, except it's like the episodes will just focus on a different character you know, each time and then, but there'll still be hints and things will still be moving in the world in the background or just subtly here and there, a character will pop up. And it's like, that's 
I really like that. And I'm not sure if they were doing that early on or if I just didn't really pick up on it more, but I feel like they're doing it a lot more now, or at least in this movie, they're making it more evident that that's what's happening. Well, there's there's a lot more story to lean back on. Like, you've got... I guess that's true. Like, when you start, the, there's nothing to sort of hint at. Yeah, whereas now they can do that. Like, just the scene between Batman and Waller. Like, he's chatting to Amanda Waller, and he's referencing the movie Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. And it's so good that they're able to do that. Yeah. And they can just mention it without putting spending too much time on it. Because the idea, just like in comics, the assumption is that you've read it. You already know. Yeah. I know years ago, Stan Lee, his whole thing in comics was write each comic as if it's somebody's first. Well, that went out the window a long time ago. <laughs> like, now you kind of need to hit the ground running. And that's what I'm loving about these movies. As an, a long-term fan and viewer, you're being rewarded. You do. And I think, like, we're at this at this point. You know, take you got, like, the cinematic universes, the MCU, all of that stuff. We're getting that here with these animated movies, and I think people are accustomed to keeping up to date. And I think even if you do miss a you know a couple movies here or there, or you just tune in for the other, they still work. You could still watch this and know what's happening. You know, even if you're familiar with Batman at all, you know you know the characters. You're like, oh, I don't know from the movies or something. You can work out what's happening. You don't need all of that, but if you have it, if you have all the ba- the baggage, it's rewarding, like you said. Yeah, like, it makes good. for a better experience having watch the previous movies, but if you're just watching this for Hush, it tells a complete story. And that's that's how it should be. It's not like, oh, that wasn't concluded, we'll find it next time. Unless it is, of course, like a two-parter like we've previously done, but that's... When we see Superman appear here and he's under the spell or the manipulation of Poison Ivy, they give him glowing eyes, which visually, it does let you know that he's being controlled by Poison Ivy. But what I did miss from the comic book, and I guess it's just extra animation for the animators, Superman around his neck and on his arms, he has vines and leaves. And it visually, it shows you more so that he's being controlled by Poison Ivy. So visually, that looks better. (laughs) I get why they did it this way. Because you're not kind of, you're not really meant to know, (laughs) I guess. So I'm really, I feel like even though it's been so long since I've read it, I'm in tune with a lot of the differences. Like when when Batman gets the kryptonite knuckle dusters, I mean, it's a bit overkill compared to the comic where it's a single ring with a bit of kryptonite in it and that's the whole thing. But I guess if you're Batman throwing punches left, right, left, right, you need both fists covered, whereas it was like a one-punch attack. It makes more sense. With the sense. kryptonite ring. Yeah. It does, and visually it's more exciting, but I do like the kryptonite ring on one finger as a design. But then we wouldn't have got the line where he asked Alfred to get the jewels, as in plural. He could have said get the jewel, but I, I get <laughs> it. I, I, it's that thing where they need to, yeah, visually it does need to be bigger in a movie. I like the kryptonite ring. Is <laughs> Give me my kryptonite ring. The Bat Family. Um, we've already name-dropped a few of them, but we are getting them in this movie. And, I mean, one of them we should point out, first of all, is Batgirl. Who, was it Was it Batman 
Bad blood. blood. At the very end, they teased Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and yeah. she was watching from afar. That was a post-credit scene, or was that yes. still the movie? I think it might have been a post-credit scene, yeah. if not the very final scene. But how many movies have we had since then? So many, and we've just not seen her. <laughs> yeah, like, where has she been? And now she's here. I love the Batgirl Burnside costume. They've, that purple and they've yeah. changed it in the comics they no longer use it which is a crying shame it is a fantastic design we got to see this first in the Batman Ninja Turtles movie she had that same design sure, costume yeah. there even though that doesn't share this continuity but that was another time we got to see that awesome costume but yeah we get Barbara Gordon Batgirl here I don't like it I like how it's, we're just we're finally there with her. Like it's just weird how long it's been where it seemed like, oh, in the next movie, you know what? But it's like, you had to kind of wait. You're right. It really has been a long time because we've had the death and return of Superman, this Suicide Squad. There's There's been a lot. Yeah, and I guess a lot of time within the universe has probably moved as well. Or there's passed, probably yeah. being a Justice League one as well. Or Teen Titans or something. But it feels like something. there has been quite a few since then. But with her character, it's like they've still planted her in and she's still sort of... Like, she's in, but she's still sort of, like, the like the new recruit. She's still asking questions and sort of, as in like, questioning things and being like, oh, that's a bit strange, or that's new to me. Like, but I liked it. I liked it's, it. Yeah, it's good to have a character who's very new to something, and then you kind of, like, getting to see it from their perspective, whereas Robin would typically be that character, only Damian Wayne has been a part of these movies for a very long time. I mean... Going all the way back to Son of Batman, which was the first solo Batman film in this continuity. Did we really? We had like three movies where he was kind of the focus, wasn't he? Or like he was tied into the story very heavily. What were that? Okay, it was Son of Batman, Batman versus Robin. And I think there was another one before yeah. Bad Blood, or maybe I'm mistaken. But I do feel as though there was three. Batman and Robin. I think it was just called Batman and Robin or something, wasn't it? No, it was Batman versus Robin. Okay. And it was the Talon storyline, sure. Court of Owls. All exciting stuff. I'm just glad he was a much reduced. Like, just let him be over there, and I think that's fine. But it's good to see Nightwing do his thing. You know, like notable change with Nightwing, costume-wise. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Everybody gets the costumes. <laughs> well, some I don't even realize. His costume was such a quick and easy fix. Where it's now blue. It was previously red. Yeah, all right. So much better. <laughs> like when we first got to see Dick Grayson Nightwing in this continuity, he had the New 52 costume, like all the characters. So that's had. a red colour. Yes. Oh, okay. Until the New 52 redesign, he had blue. That's why when he it. appeared on screen, I just thought that's what he had always had in this continuity. It's so much but better. Because like, he's usually blue, right? It's yeah. such a quick change. Like, all they've done is just change the colour from red they to blue. They don't even need a scene where he opens a box. And no. Pulls him. They just, <laughs> no. They just have him in it. Yeah, and if they just did that with each movie, just have the costumes now looking as they should, I'd be fine with Wouldn't that. Wouldn't even be mad about it. Just like, yeah, don't need explanations. But it's just do a it. great design. Alfred. Now, um, the voice actor for... He sounds old. Is it the same actor? Um, James Garrett. Is it the same actor from previous movies? Cause I'm sounded... unsure, to be honest. But he, he does sound different, or whether it's the same actor and he's trying to sound older. 
but he definitely sounds older in this movie. I was getting like, you know, the Tim Burton and um, Schumacher Alfred vibes, like that very old, like polite kind of man vibes from him. But I liked it. I did enjoy that Alfred. It just sounded it sounded good, and I think it's just a departure from, you know, the the Alfred from the Gotham TV series and those sorts, and even Jeremy Irons in the in the Batman movies and the young lad they've got in the live action Pennyworth show. Yes, have not started that. That's yeah. I've watched the first episode, and it's as if the actor's only exposure to Alfred Pennyworth is Michael Caine. Oh, I don't think he has read the comics. I don't think he's watched the animated series. He's just watched the Chris Nolan movies and just thought, "Got it." <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Just do Michael. Caine. It works. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's Michael Caine. Oh, all righty. Batman villains. We have an abundance. I'm pretty sure the only one who's not on here, or like the main general ones, you would know is probably Two Face. And Penguin. Anyway. Um, does Penguin not appear? No, he doesn't appear. Right, okay. Well, does he? They did, like, uh, a montage, didn't they, of, like, single frames. Oh, yes, one where of them... Batman and Catwoman are doing yeah. things. Yeah, one Penguin was Mr. Other... Freeze. Yeah, I thought I saw him. Is Two-Face in there? Yeah, there is a Mr. Freeze, there is a Penguin. Bane's in it, we open, and he's the first character that is under the influence of Ivy. And he's making less sense than usual, and that's when Batman <laughs> first... <laughs> suspecting that there's something something going on. But I can't remember if he was prominent in the comic. I remember Killer Croc in the comic. But Bane is pretty much just used as your muscle in the opening, and then we don't get too much of him after that. They kind of just cycle through each of the villains, everyone except Catwoman. Like They just they do kind of like, oh, here's a new villain, and uh, move on to the next one. It's part of the story, it's part of the plot and the overall scheme. But it's kind of cool because it's like Batman. So it's like or, a who's who. We get yeah. to see Lady Shiva, but she's another one that she comes in and out, but she served a purpose. Poison Ivy. We've talked about her quite a lot already. There's two actresses in this movie, one voicing Batgirl, the other voicing Poison Ivy, and they both have the same name. Peyton List. I just assumed at first glance that this actress pulled double duty. <laughs> so Batgirl is voiced by, it's credited as Peyton R. Liss. Right, okay. Who is new to this continuity, or to these series of movies, and Poison Ivy is just Peyton Liss. What I did new. notice looking at her filmography, she voiced, or she played, sorry, Ivy Pepper in Gotham. Like the older version. So the, the final version of <laughs> Poison Ivy. Because Poison she, Ivy's final form. Well, she kept evolving. Like three actresses <laughs> played Ivy and she was the final one. And now she's back for this movie. So you've done it before. You know what you're doing. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I like that. And I'm glad that wasn't my trivia. So, <laughs> good stuff. Um, you mentioned Amanda Waller's in there, so we do see her again. And once again, played by Vanessa Williams. So she's back. Small scene. Um, Harley Quinn. Um, we have been praising the designs, the costumes, and she's gone back to the Jester, which is fantastic. That's what we get in the comics. But I don't know why they felt the need to make any changes, but they did. They've exposed the shoulders, which oh, okay. is just a weird design choice. Didn't like the sleeves. 
But she's got sleeves. She just doesn't have shoulders. That the shoulders are cut out on her costume. They almost nailed it. But it's good to get the the jester. I'm much more of a fan of this Harley Quinn instead of like the roller derby Harley costume or the the nurse costume from the Arkham games. Just get her in the jester outfit. And, you know, it works with Catwoman having a throwaway line, you know, like it's not the 90s or... Do you know what I mean? Like she she dates the costume, and that's fine. That's when we first got introduced to that design. She's crazy. You know, like, so why can't they be dressed in all wacky outfits and stuff? They're all insane. But the costume is just perfection. The Bruce Tim designed Harley Quinn costume is just perfect. And they almost did it in this movie. They just some shoulders her shoulders out. A weird choice. With Harley Quinn, we do get the Joker. And we get a new voice as well for him. Uh, Jason Spizak. Okay, yeah. And he's good. He's a good Joker. Yeah. We get that awesome scene in the alley where Batman suspects Joker of being behind a particular incident, only the Joker was set up. And this is where Batman is just cutting loose. He's just going for him. Like, in the comics, it is just grim and violent. That's one thing I remember from the comic was, like, there was that scene where he just beats the shit out of him. And he's laughing. He's losing teeth. He's referring to Batman as Batman. And, and it's all going on. And they adapted that fairly successfully. I was yeah. actually sitting I was, I was getting quite uncomfortable. I was like, wow, he's really going to town. Like, this is I guess what's more... Impactful in the movie compared to the comic. Like in the in the comic, I guess the impact is coming from him striking him over and over in the face. But in the movie, when he's strangling Joker in the alleyway, <laughs> and you can hear the you can hear the tightness in his in his grip. There are crunches. And yeah. Stuff. yeah, and then yeah. you have got Gordon in the background saying, "Stop! You need to stop." And that's what's brilliant about Hush is that he knows everything about Batman. He knows all his secrets. He knows. He's Bruce Wayne. He knows who is close to him. And, you know, Joker is pretty good at pushing Batman's buttons, but not to the point where he loses control, and that's what's happening in this scene. Yeah, really well done. Yeah, that was a standout. Um, that's also where we... It's Joker who kills the Doctor, yeah? No, it was it was a setup. Like, he was detained at the time. Oh, yes. And he was able to escape just in time for Batman to find him in the alleyway. Ah, oh, well done, Jason. Yep. It, <laughs> it, was all, it was all hush. It was all hush. You mentioned we saw Clayface. Um, well, we think he's the Riddler at first. But it's Clayface, and it's kind of a gross scene. And that's the change. Like I said yeah. earlier, in the comics, he's pretending to be Jason Todd, and in this movie, he's pretending to be the Riddler. So same thing, but different. Um, there's a bit of Scarecrow as well we see like a Nightwing fight with him just for good measure throw him in I really liked Catwoman in this like Catwoman was always a strong character in Hush because you know this being you know as well as being a mystery it's a love story like this is the closest we've come to seeing Batman in a relationship with anybody since Mask of the Phantasm in animation and we're getting to see that here and we're getting to see these characters come together. And I think it carries so much weight, not just the, like the love that Catwoman has for Batman, for Bruce. We get to see it when they're together, but when they're apart, like when she's working with and protecting Nightwing, I think it was so impactful. Like she's willing to turn her back 
on the path that she's been taking for so long, being a criminal, like to try and do the right thing. And when it's cut short and she recognises that Batman, Bruce, he will never change. And he's self-sabotaging the relationship. So that was a great scene, I thought. Beforehand, you get Nightwing and Catwoman in the Batmobile together. And there's a good couple of exchanges of dialogue there. But then the fight scene, where without Catwoman being there, he'd have potentially died. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, you, you know, like when it comes to the end of the movie and, you know, like, it's not so much Batman, I don't reckon, like sabotaging the relationship. He sees that Catwoman will do what she needs, what she thinks she needs to do to solve the problem. Whereas she lets Riddler die or basically causes the she death. She does, but in those final moments, he doesn't leave her, she leaves him. And I thought it was going to have more of an issue with what happened to Riddler because he was trying to save him. And then Catwoman, it's in that moment that she realises that above all else, he won't compromise on who he is. And who he is now is who he will always be. With the code. So it, but it's Catwoman that walks away from the relationship. Not the other way around. That, yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. The fact that there is, like, such a, I guess, adult, mature I was relationship with dynamics thing. in this, don't say cartoon, in this animated movie, it's like, wow. But it is a cartoon. It is, like, you know, <laughs> so we're talking about all the... the yeah, bits, it's the Saturday wham, cartoon. The pow, in all those things. Thing. Yeah, it's... It but is. it's got adult relationships. And yeah. that's what makes these movies so good. Yeah, I just go back to like Damien again, like just saying, like, are you in a relationship like with a, a villain, ex-villain? <laughs> like, eh, still the same thing, right? Like, you know, it's. I, I just want to say one last time, I'm okay with Jason O'Mara now. <laughs> I'm it's okay the with suit. Him. It's the new costume. Yeah, but I've, you know, I've been back and forth throughout all these movies. He's yeah, he's been alright for a while, a few movies now. He's been. Okay. This is probably the most Bruce Wayne he's done. And he's, he's fine. We actually do <laughs> get fine. quite we, a bit of Bruce we Wayne. We get a Bruce Wayne like at the start. Oh well, yeah, I guess because there's a lot of scenes with Catwoman, obviously, or with Selena Kyle, I should say, when he's Bruce Wayne. But even like the opening scene, which is a unique thing for these movies as well, to not open with an action scene. It opens with Bruce Wayne at an event at a party, doing the rounds, you know, doing what he has to do. You see Selena Kyle. It does break into a. You know, a cutaway to an action piece with Nightwing, but essentially it opens, you know, just casual, nice. And I like that as well. It's almost like bit of a change. Bruce has got one foot out the door. Like he's just he's itching for an excuse to put on the cape and cowl. Yeah. He wants to be out there. Nightwing's doing something, and he's saying, "I can handle it. It's fine." He's I'm still going. Away. Yeah, he's still got his earpiece in. He's still talking. He's like, oh. "Yeah, it's cool." <laughs> Um, we always like to talk about the like the tone, the violence in these movies. You know, being like you said, it is a cartoon. It's an animated film. Is it good for kids? Should they stay away? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you would think, as a parent, not watching these yourselves. Oh, here's a new animated oh, Batman it's movie. Batman, yeah, Batman's fun. It's not Batman the animated series where you can watch that and enjoy it as an adult, but at the same time. It was, I mean, it started as a primetime show, that first season. But you could watch it on a Saturday morning. It was totally and visually safe. Like, it was, you know. But it adds something for the adults. Whereas this, it still, it hits my ear funny 
when a character swears. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Like, when you have a character and they'll go, oh, shit. It sounds a little try-hard. It's like they want to make sure that they're getting that M rating. Yeah. They don't want they don't want a PG movie. But the tone, the violence, it fits. Yeah, I think it works for Batman. Like, it really does. I mean... Uh... Yeah, it's like I think if they went in, f- if they wanted to go for a lower rating, you'd have to either take out that scene where he's beating the shit out of the Joker, or just sort of frame it in a different way. You know, have it having going on in, over there off screen whilst you can hear it, or it's implied, and it wouldn't have the same effect. I think visually that was such a striking scene, so it's a necessity. Sometimes the violence works, and I think it's working here, and it's not too much, but yeah, it is. Uh, it is up there. You're right. That scene with the Joker, that would be the one. That for a parent to just walk in. And be like, what <laughs> are you watching? Their kid, eight, <laughs> nine years old or whatever, sat watching an animated Batman movie. They would be turning it off. <laughs> the Joker is almost murdered. <laughs> uh, but no, I think it fits. It works really well here. So it's not too much or excessive or just insane. Alrighty, So let's give our rating after that breakdown. This continuity movies I mentioned earlier started with Justice League War. There's been some highs and lows. This, by far for me, is the best one. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, the change in identity to Hush, I did enjoy as I was watching it. Again, the source material, I think Tommy Elliot is a better way to go. But if they're going to change it up and potentially give fans of the comic a different experience, which is what I've got, I'll fully accept that the Batman costume is just absolutely stunning. It's perfection. It is a great movie, and it's a who's who of Bat villains, which is what they were doing in the original comic. Thoroughly enjoyed this start to finish. It is a solid four out of five. Before we sat down and we recorded this, I was thinking I had a number in my head. After talking about it, I have to move, I have to go up a bit. Um, either, just ever so slightly, like yeah, like just like you said, you know, the the cost, the new costume is great. Um, the story, everything that's contained in this, from what I remember of, of the comic, it, it's like they put it on screen and the changes they've made aren't just there for the sake of being different. It's like there's a reason for the changes and they. I guess maybe given something better, something that works better on screen or within this continuity. So I think they have to make those changes. There's a mature level to dynamics and characters that are in this. And it is just a fun ride going through all the villains. And yeah, I think the only one, only major villain we don't see is Two-Face, I guess. Everyone's here. Even just for a split second, they're there. Um, I was going to come for a 4, but I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah, this has got to be... Yeah, the best in this continuity of movies. So I'm very happy that we got one of these. And just a little bit of trivia. Just a little bit. Nothing too exciting. Um, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill had expressed interest in taking on the roles of Batman and the Joker in an ad- in an adaption of this story. Um, despite Hamill obviously saying he's retired from his role as the Joker, but obviously they went into a diff- in a different direction with this being in this continuity. They went with, you know, the voices that they've had, or at least with Jason O'Mara. Um, 
also with Kevin Conroy. He has voiced um, the Batman character a total of 14 times in animated feature films, which makes him in the lead. But Jason Omar is creeping up there. This is his ninth feature-length attempt at the voice. I reckon he'll catch up. If this, if they keep I really going. Do. Yeah. I've got past the point now where I need to have Conroy and Hamill in <laughs> animated Batman movies. Yeah. I'm okay with this voice cast, and I think have, having these stories being adapted as part of an ongoing continuity, it just adds to it for me. I mean, it would have been novel, like back in the day, as you were saying, that they were looking to adapt it themselves. But yeah. We get, every now and then we get a standalone sort of animated And that's it, they're still doing it. Yeah, and they can always bring them in, and Mark Hamill could come out and say, oh yeah, I'll do Joker again. (laughs) He'll always come back and do it. (laughs) He'll always come back. You know, they did, obviously the first thing they did together was Batman the Animated Series, and they both came back for Justice League action, which unfortunately only ran for one season, and I do not think it's going to get picked up for another. <laughs> and then there's the computer games and various other things that they've done together. We can have that and this. Yep. Done. And that's it for our review of Batman Hush. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film's Due Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. Be sure to also check out our website, thatfilmsyoupodcast.com. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of The Lion King. Sounds Like Comics have a recent episode looking at Howard the Duck, and Rewind and Review went back to 1994 for the original Lion King. Uh, but there's something different from Sounds Like Comics coming soon. Rocketeer. Yes. Yeah. And... In a similar vein, we will also be covering The Phantom and The Shadow. Whoa. So watch out for those. And next up from that film stew, our review of Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Such a long title. <laughs> we will only say it once in that podcast, I swear. <laughs> You've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film stew. See you soon. <laughs>